0: Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whenever it is you're listening. This is Davisville on KDRTLP 95.7 FM in Davis, California. You can find us online anytime at kdrt.org slash Davisville. I'm Bill Buchanan. Thank you for tuning in today. And, well, get yourself settled. Turn off your phone app. We're raising the curtain on our annual year-end movie show with Davis film critic Derek Bang. He writes for the Davis Enterprise and for his blog, Derek Bang on Film. And he's been reviewing films long enough, in fact, to remember when movie theaters actually had curtains in front of the screen, which they'd pull back when the show was starting. Anyway, Derek, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you, Bill. I appreciate being here again. I look
1: forward to these every year.
0: Yeah, we've done, uh, it's coming up on a dozen, I think. But, hey, you remember those curtains, right? Uh, they oh, used of course. To, yeah. I, I, I don't know when I last saw one, though.
1: The, uh, the ones that really impressed me, you know, most of them went, up and down. Uh-huh. But some of them went side to side. And I thought those were cool. Yeah, added pretty, it added some drama. And sometimes the movie would start before the curtains were raised. And you'd be trying to watch the picture on top of the curtain. Huh? That was a because, coordination problem there, back be, in the projection room. <laughs> because the projectionist had stepped out for a smoke <laughs> or a cup of <laughs> coffee and didn't realize that he'd forgotten to raise the curtains. And it would take 5, 10, 15 minutes.
0: Well, it just goes to show folks Every job has its requirements. You can't just step away from it. Oh, and uh, I, by the way, if listeners are thinking, didn't we just hear from Derek? The answer is you did. And if you missed that show, though, a few weeks ago, this is when he poked fun at tropes of bad movies. Uh, I do want to recommend that show to you. It was fun. If you've sat through enough bad movies, and I think Derek has, uh, you might consider it therapeutic. You can find it at kdrt.org slash Davisville. And then also one other programming note. This last week of November... We're doing our annual fall fun drive here at KDRT. So if you enjoy today's show or other Davis fills, it's been known to happen, or if you've enjoyed other programs at KDRT, please consider donating so that we can continue to send local programs like this over the airwaves and internet to you. Go to kdrt.org/donate and thank you. So, now let's jump into another fun conversation about movies, especially new releases we can look forward to seeing or avoiding as this holiday season uh, comes up. So, uh, Derek, let's start with talking about The Strikes, uh, the one by actors and writers It dominated movies this year. They've ended. I'd love to get your take on what impact they've had on movies.
1: Oh, devastating. It's the one-two punch. We had COVID, mm-hmm. which shut everything down pretty much for 18 months. And just as things were getting back on their feet to some degree, we hit 2023, and the writers go on strike. Uh, Regal Cinemas emerged from bankruptcy in late July, three months into the writers' strike, two weeks into the actors' strike. The very definition of bad timing. Yeah. And, of course, it hurt them. Uh, Regal closed one of the two houses here in Davis. A lot of us are annoyed because they closed the newer, better one.
0: Yeah, that was the one on G Street.
1: Right, and I figure they probably did that because it only had five screens, whereas the other one has six. Yeah. And well, I suspect they probably went for the numbers.
0: Although there's also a housing project now proposed for that land. That well, only it...
1: because it's no longer a
0: movie theater. Well, that's true. But, I mean, it might have been coming. But, 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 but anyway, I take so, your point, though. It's, it, you know.
1: and, and COVID, um, people are like pets. They can be trained. <laughs> and during the COVID years, we were all trained to get our entertainment at home. Yeah. Now, we were fortunate, if, you, if the word is applicable, that this kind of coincided with the rise and peak of the streaming movement, the proliferation of new channels, all of them offering six months or a year at this great bargain basement price. People got trained to watch movies at home because a lot of movies debuted on streaming channels. Yeah. Three of Pixar's consecutive animated films went straight to Disney+, Plus, which frankly really pissed me off because... Pixar movies deserve to be seen on a big screen.
0: Yeah, we've had this conversation before about uh, the appeal of seeing a movie on a large screen with other people as opposed to at home. But, but it was awfully convenient. So, well, that's the COVID side. But So the strikes, was it just a supply disruption then?
1: Or do you think there's more at work? Well, everybody was out of work yeah. for eight months. And this isn't like flipping on a light switch. Production doesn't just ramp up the next day. A lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of films and TV shows got canceled rather than deal with having them come back. I'm noticing that a lot of last year's first season shows, which looked like they were going to get another season, suddenly aren't. And I'm sure that's no coincidence. Hmm. We're going to have another production hole, not immediately and probably not most of next year, because a lot of stuff was in post-production when both strikes hit. And of course, those are still going to go ahead and come out. And since everybody's off strike now, they'll be able to publicize the movies on TV shows and chat shows and streaming hits and whatever else they're allowed to do these days. But I suspect somewhere around the end of next summer, we're going to hit another donut hole where there's no product because nobody's been working for the last eight months. So now, does that create an opportunity for...
0: I don't know, independent movies or smaller houses? I mean, if, if, the, if the big films aren't there because they weren't made,
1: uh, does that create an opening for others? That Well, bear in mind that anything involved with any of the major studios would have been stopped regardless of the size of production. Yeah. Indie people, sure, they're not necessarily bound by that, although a lot of them did honor the strikes. I think it mostly helps foreign films, And it's well known at this point that Netflix went on a huge foreign film buying spree. And yes, in fact, Gana and I have seen scores of films that I'm sure we never would have seen were it not for Netflix bringing them into this country. You know, The Tower and the Varsity can't handle that much Mm. products in a short period of time. And a lot of them were very good films. I would have to say that the people at Netflix who were buying them have reasonably good taste. So that
0: is in an odd way, a net benefit because it means people over here get a chance to see something they might not have seen otherwise.
1: Well, yes, but at the same time, it's engendering bad habits because if we get conditioned to watch these things on Netflix, then we're not going to be watching the movies that our own homegrown talent produces, right? Right. It's You can argue this, both both sides of the coin, in so many different directions.
0: We, we should mention Gaina is uh, is your wife and uh, referred to in your reviews as Constant Companion. Absolutely. So she's... Whenever
1: Constant Companion lets loose with a good one-liner, I definitely use it in the review. Yeah, She's been one of the movies
0: for you, I think, probably almost well, your career.
1: Oh, well, except for the first couple of years in college, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, I was very fortunate. She likes going to movies as much as I do. And when, when you're talking about, well, not recently, but until COVID hit, when you're talking about seeing two or three movies a week, 52 weeks a year, that's a lot of commitment on the <laughs> part of a spouse.
0: <laughs> Gaina, thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, one other effect of the strike I want to talk about, I know some of the writers and actors were concerned about AI, artificial intelligence. And the idea that studios could start generating images and, and auto-generated words it doesn't mean the quality is good, but of course the technology could improve and it could get better, or it could be good enough for you know commercial release anyway. I didn't follow it terribly closely, but I thought the writers and the actors had a point to try to control that, particularly if it's over their own images, because ultimately they're computer-generated images would be competing with them themselves. And I guess part of it is I just like the human touch in movies, and I don't like the idea that this could become automated too much. But
1: what do you think? Well, I'll take it from both camps. Nobody ultimately would be able to completely halt AI-generated product, strike agreements notwithstanding. I mean, these agreements are only with the major studios, right? Mm -hmm. All right. And... From the writing standpoint, what the writers were most concerned about was the possibility that a producer would have AI generate a script and then just hire a writer to quote unquote fix it, which is basically piecemeal work as opposed to creative work. To a degree, it's the difference between writing an article and editing the article. The first person creates it, the second person perhaps makes it better, hopefully doesn't make it worse. Yeah, I mean, depending on the relationship, the editing role can be
0: quite significant. But yeah, you could also just be brought in to say, hey, you know, cross the T's and dot the I's. And,
1: and it's happening. I read hmm. a, a record album review in a reasonably mainstream internet music publication, if that's what you call them these days, not too long ago, that was clearly generated by AI. Mm, clearly. How, the, could you, how could you tell? Because it was not written very well. And, and the way it was not written well was obvious in terms of grammar and syntactical use and repetition and a lot of things that you look for. And I was thinking what surprised me was not so much that it existed, but that it had been published by this particular entity. Yeah. And, you know, another two years down the road, I probably won't be able to tell the difference.
0: See, so, But that's what the writers and the actors— are not wanting, right? They Absolutely. Want, I mean, it's, it's their livelihood, which you I get. But, but it's also the human presence in the movies as opposed to a facsimile.
1: For the actors, the sticking point was, I think, more interesting in some ways. You know, we've gotten accustomed to uh, computer generation youthening actors in some recent films. Oh, Harrison Ford. Huh? Harrison yeah. Ford is a notable example. Or, or they get bulked up. To, the, you know, to their better-fitter selves 20 years earlier. And I don't have a problem with that because obviously the actor's on board. That's a form and, of costuming, I suppose
0: you could say. Yeah, that's a very good way of or looking makeup, at it. You know. Makeup.
1: The studios wanted to do it without telling anybody. Hmm. Now, that's a much more pernicious line. Creating an entirely composite individual or, worse yet, working with somebody who's deceased and whose estate either doesn't exist or doesn't care. And it's definitely getting better. I mean, you remember, let's see, The Polar Express came out in, I think, 2004. Oh, yeah, the Christmas that, movie. Yeah. That was the first big-budget uh, motion-control animated film where we had three different Tom Hanks playing you know, various parts in this story. And I have never been able to watch that film without getting somewhat creeped out because all of the children in it, their eyes, which are not done very well, make them look like little zombies but that was 20 years ago. Yeah. And look at how much better it's gotten since then.
0: So it but but okay, but I, you've a couple of interesting points there. One is it's uncanny when it doesn't look human or at least it does to us. Absolutely. And you know, we grew up in an age when, you know, that was weird. And if it's not weird, if maybe in other words, if you, if you're used to it growing up, maybe it doesn't look weird later. But it's uncanny, but then second it's it's getting better. And I've wondered about that with a lot of things. I mean, this radio show right now, You and I are sitting here in the studio, and my brother Jim is doing the sound over here. And, I mean, people will believe that it's real because, you know, they they should. But KDRT has that credibility. Well, the fact is you could totally fake this right now.
1: Of course. And even more so in a few years. And it's also generational. Mm -hmm. We know what Harrison Ford and Bruce Willis and Sylvester Stallone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, look like, what they look like now, what they look like then. But today's 20-somethings, 30-somethings, they're working on an entirely different set of parameters, and they're not—and I, and I do not mean to disparage. I just don't think it's going to be as obvious to somebody younger who doesn't have the experience of real-live actors yeah. doing real-live scenes and real-live movies. They might be more easily fooled.
0: Yeah. Or one could make the argument they might catch on faster because
1: they will— And, and if they do— More power to them.
0: (laughs) I'm thinking just back here a little bit to a a class I took, a journalism degree in a class, and we're talking about subliminal advertising and and TV ads and such. And the whole thing then was, you know, we'd all get asked, how can you do your homework with that TV on? Well, if you grew up without that kind of noise, then it was inherently disrupting. But if you grew up hearing it all the time, it's like, well, you just tune it out, you know, because you grew up with the TV on, so you're used to tuning it out. There's something, some weird interface there between human, I don't know, familiarity, nature, whatever. But anyway, we're getting a field here from movies. Oh, but, yeah. We're we're way off. <laughs> we're, in, we're in the meadows. But this is partly why I do like to talk about movies every year is not just because it's enjoyable and engaging and, and insightful to watch a really good one or a fun one, but also because they have this kind of role in our culture. You know, they reflect what we're doing and what we're thinking and so on and things like that.
1: Well... And I'm going to use an important word here. I regard cinema as art. Yeah. I do not regard AI as art. And being who I am, I never will. Being what you believe, in other words, and, and what you
0: regard cinema to be. Right. Yeah. See, again, that makes this interesting, Derek. i <laughs> do <laughs> a quick station ID. We are talking with Derek Bang. He is film critic for his blog, Derek Bang on Film, and also for the Davis Enterprise. And he's been doing movie reviews for nearly fifty years. Yeah, nineteen seventy four, which is twenty twenty four next year. I know, so, isn't yeah. that scary? So, how has twenty twenty three been for movies overall?
1: Not good. And is uh, beyond the strike? Uh, well, I still think we're catching up post COVID. With 2023, because, again, remember, there's always going to be a 12 to 18 month lag time between what happens to halt or slow production and how it looks to us on the receiving end. So, you know, maybe it's still post-COVID blues or maybe it was just not a very good year. Uh, It had it had highs and it had lows and an interesting subset, but not a lot of strong mid-range movies that you could say you would, you know, you liked. So give me a high, give me a low, and... uh... Okay, so there were uh, some very nice surprises. Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Marvelous little film. Elemental. Pixar still has its magic. Barbie and Oppenheimer. Barbenheimer. I mean, that was a phenomenon. For a while, we actually thought that people were going to go back to movie theaters, and then the strikes hit, (laughs) right?
0: Oh, well, but the the strikes are. Right.
1: The writer's strike was ongoing, but the the actor's strike was relatively recent. Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm. Superb. It was a great year for documentaries and films based on actual events. I mean, I I have a whole list of these. Tetris, Judy Bloom Forever, Pinball, Flamin' Hot, The Beanie Bubble, Dumb Money, Bank of Dave, and most recently The Burial. These Hmm. are all terrific little movies.
0: I can just picture now people going to uh, uh, the internet and typing in some of those titles. It's like, The Beanie Bubble. Which one was that?
1: Now, on the bad side, oh, heaven help me, Disney cannot stop strip mining its past with grim results. The live-action Little Mermaid trashed the memory of the original. I mean, there was a small subset of people who got all hot and bothered because, God forbid, the Little Mermaid was a young woman of color. Like, who cares? This is a fairy tale.
0: Yeah, well, that's not your objection to the movie.
1: No, absolutely not. My objection to the movie is that they changed the songs, which I think is sacrilege, (laughs) quite frankly, and stretched out the storyline and just kind of ruined it. Haunted Mansion was just as bad as the 2003 Eddie Murphy train wreck. Wish, the new one. I read a great description of Wish just a couple of days ago. It looks like a movie that was designed by the participants in a corporate retreat. (laughs) That's pretty damning. (laughs) It's it's nothing but paying homage to the Disney trademark at the total expense of good characters, a coherent storyline, and again, songs that are halfway memorable. I mean, you have to work hard in a 92-minute movie to make people tired of the songs. This was a Constant Companion moment. About the third or fourth time that the orchestral score started to swell in the background, Constant Companion looks at me and says, oh, God, they're going to sing again.
0: (laughs) And actually, is this the review you wrote where you ended it by saying the accomplishment was that it was only 90 minutes, but it was still boring? Yeah. Yeah. Alright, yeah, that's uh, audience note there, this is uh, one of Derek's current reviews um, and in fact you also pointed out in there one of the tropes we talked about five weeks ago the uh, the villain can't catch up with the fleeing uh, Oh man, yes Yeah. yeah. The, the guy is like nearly omniscient and he can't capture someone who's no. Run,
1: running away on foot Yeah, running away on foot and, and actually I was reminded of a trope that I should have included in that article the The fantasies where the good guys and the bad guys are only as weak or as strong as they need to be in a given scene. So you have an omniscient bad guy who suddenly gets defeated by some deus ex machina from thin air, but then rises again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You get the point. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, that's just bad writing.
0: You know, uh, this reason. I'm not done. Oh, Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Well we bring in, bring in here? I'm t- the- I like
1: talking about the bad stuff. The Marvel Cinematic Universe oh, finally yeah. crashed to Earth yeah. with three consecutive disappointments. Ant-Man number three, ugh. Guardians of the Galaxy number three, almost three hours. Ugh, ugh, ugh. <laughs> and the Marvels, which, you know, although I didn't like the Marvels, I wouldn't call it a bad movie. It's just not a very good movie. So they're kind of 0 for 3. And then across the pond, DC's superheroes were even worse. The Flash yeah. failed to trot. Black Adam came and went in the blink of an eye, despite, despite the presence of Dwayne Johnson. Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Oh, my God. Oh, my gods, I should say. That's probably one of the year's worst movies. So, so they're triple O for 3. I think we got to acknowledge... We have to declare a superhero moratorium for at least two years, please.
0: Uh, Take it away from the studios and say, you know, you've lost your way. Just put it aside for a while.
1: And just just to pick on somebody who continues to disappoint me, knock at the cabin, demonstrated that M. Night Shyamalan still has not figured out how to make another good movie.
0: Yeah, he's made several movies, right? And I think your point has been that uh, they're going downhill.
1: They've been going downhill since six movies ago. I can't understand why people keep throwing money at him.
0: Hmm. Okay, so...
1: The so highs and lows.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay, I was going to say, so that so it's a good year. To, so it really depends what you saw this year, right? If you saw the, the good ones you mentioned at the start, then that's a good year. But then there was lots of, you know, baggage. The year's about to end. What's coming up in the next, um, oh, I don't know, the holiday season, as we say. We're
1: talking right at the end of November. Here's what I'm looking forward to. Maestro, which is actually out now. No, oh, that's the Leonard Bernstein. The that. Leonard Bernstein story. And, and a lot about his wife, I understand, too. Yes. It's told much from her. Yes. You know. American Fiction, which actually doesn't come out until two days before Christmas, but we saw a very early preview of that, is just fabulous. So what's that about? I haven't heard of that one. I hesitate to say too much. Okay. Um, it concerns a black novelist who regards himself as an extremely serious author, who is dismayed because his books don't sell, whereas what he considers pandering trash, both in books and movies, that only picture black characters as pimps mm. or... All the stereotypes, you know, probably. All the stereotypes. All the stereotypes make buckets of money. So as a joke, he writes a novel in this style hands it to his editor and says, send this out because I want, I want the publishers to understand why I am so mad about this. Well, you know what happens, right? Of course. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but I— it, One of them snaps it up. And, and now, it becomes a hit, probably. Now he's got to live the lie. Oh, okay. The statements that this movie makes, the dialogue, the one-liners, sheer genius— So it sounds like
0: a comedy, but also about a very serious subject. Oh, very much. And of course,
1: it it digs deep on the white opinion of the black experience. Yeah. All right. I'm interested in this one Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget. Oh, this is the um, animation. Okay. Oh, love that stuff. Wonka. Now, ordinarily, I'd say, haven't we been to the well often enough? But Timothy Chalamet playing that role.
0: Is Willy Wonka updated, right? The, right. The chocolate that's, factory.
1: that's interesting. Another animated film, Migration, uh, about a family of ducks on an adventure. Looks cute. The Color Purple, redone as a musical. I don't know if it's going to be good, bad, or indifferent, but I'm sure curious.
0: Yeah, that's one of those high-stakes one, isn't it? I mean, if it's done well, then it's like, cool, well done. Yeah. And if it's done badly, it's like, well... What are you thinking? This is the color purple.
1: Right. I mean, Steven Spielberg updated West Side Story. Well, he didn't really update it, but, you know, he yeah. did it again. And although I admired that film very much, it tanked.
0: Yeah. Yeah, at, know, at a certain point, you think, you know, the original was... Is...
1: You know, obviously, the public wasn't interested. And then finally, Ferrari. I have always loved director Michael Mann's movies. Even, even when the stories are kind of flimsy, he has so much... Tr- cool, directorial style and flourish that the movies are always, always interesting.
0: And this is about uh, the inventor of the Ferrari? Uh,
1: At a very key point in the manufacturer's career. Okay. So not
0: a biopic, exactly.
1: Mm, You know, one one, one of those based on actual events. Okay. Suggested by actual events. (laughs) All righty. So uh, any you advise against? Well, sure. Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom. <laughs> I gotta admit, I'm
0: not up on DC. Is this
1: one of those? I, I think I think it yeah, I think it's gonna be 0 for 4 okay. for DC. But you know, you know. Who knows? Candy Cane Lane. Okay, this is the one you have to avoid. Eddie Murphy comedy. He's a family man. Live in a neighborhood. He wants to win the year's Christmas decoration contest. Okay. And somehow, I don't know how gets involved with conjuring up an elf to help him, and the elf sets about bringing the 12 days of Christmas to life. I anticipate a lot of poop jokes.
0: <laughs> well, that's not in the song, though. But, of course, maybe that's your point. is It's not, but that doesn't mean the movie won't. Uh...
1: Well, no, but think about it. How many animals are involved in the 12 days of Christmas? Uh, yeah, that's true. And, and And are we doing this... Are we doing this the way we should be doing it, which is to say, every time you refrain, you know, you get the you get the geese of laying and the swans of swimming <laughs> five more times, right?
0: Yeah, actually, that's one of the things I've never liked about that song is the repetition. It's uh... I, I
1: just can't see
0: that turning out well. So, what else? Any? Uh...
1: No, no, uh, okay. only those two. Well, that's I, cool. I, yeah, I like to be open-minded. Yeah, and I'm I'm not looking. To dislike a film.
0: Yeah, well, in, 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 and in fairness to you, I know we've had discussions in the past about movies that you thought were going to be bad, that you then thought, no, oh, that was pretty good. Yeah. So, I mean, these are, until it's actually seen, it's just a hunch or a speculation. Or Absolutely. A, you know,
1: I, I like to think that after 50 years, my hunches at speculation have gotten, my radar has gotten pretty good. But, hey, I've been fooled before.
0: You know, one question I want to ask, uh, it goes back to the Marvels movie. Your headline on your review was The Marvels, far from marvelous. And, you know, then it sort of flopped for the franchise. And I, it got me thinking, partly thinking of our interview a few weeks ago, too. You know, when a bad movie bombs financially, or mediocre movie in this case, or when a good movie succeeds at the box office, do you enjoy that? You know, do you, do you ever sometimes think, ha, I nailed it?
1: Never. Okay, and why not? I think it's bad for to gloat over somebody's mishap. I, I, particularly particularly a superhero movie, we're talking about an army of, what, two to 300 people who worked their butts off to make this film. They thought it was going to turn out okay. Yeah. It's not their fault that it didn't. I would argue in most cases it's the fault of the original script, and there's not much you can do about that once you start making the movie. I actively dislike, and this has gotten a lot worse with the advent of social media, trolls who positively cackle with delight when a film bombs, as if this is a validation of something. And I can't really imagine what in their tiny little brains. A lot of haters have gone after the Marvels because they figured no movie with three chicks could ever be successful. Hmm. And God forbid, two of them are chicks of color. And you're using chicks in their yeah, sense of the word. This is not the way I think, folks. Yeah, and, so that's, and, and that's just, that's just hateful. That's that's poor behavior. That, That got so bad that no less than Stephen King released a statement saying how disappointed he was in the Marvel film fan base for the way this segment was behaving with respect to the Marvels. He said there's simply no excuse for it. Yeah. Well, and
0: your point is, look, there were real people behind it doing the work. Maybe it didn't work out, but they still took the risk
1: of putting it out there. Right. And think how bad they feel when it doesn't make a lot of money on opening weekend. I don't think they need anybody else reaffirming this fact.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, a critic has to call it like he or she sees it, but you're right, you don't need to pile on. We've been talking with Derek Pang. Derek, thanks for talking with us again today in Davisville. You're very welcome. See you again next year. See you again next year. We've been talking about movies to see, avoid, taking a look back at this year. And Derek, thanks for appearing again. I'm um, Bill Buchanan. This is Davisville on KDRT.org, 95.7 FM in Davis, California. Thanks for listening, everybody. Happy holidays. As a listener, you probably tune into KDRT 95.7 FM or KDRT.org for many different reasons. As a volunteer programmer, as the host of Davisville, I try to create a program that has meaningful connections to Davis and the subjects that I choose. At KDRT, we like to say that creativity runs on our roots and those roots really need some